0: Support for the Everyday People edition of Radioactive comes from Mark Miller Subaru. The following program
1: was pre-recorded.
2: Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders. I'm community co-host, Sue Robbins, and I have been in love with Monday nights because they are everyday people nights as we shine the light on the LGBTQ plus community and all its intersectionality. Joining me on another edition of our show, my mentor and my friend, executive producer Laura Jones.
1: Well, oh, Sue, I didn't think I was gonna get all uh, misty until you'd said mentor and friend. We oh. can manage
2: it throughout the show. All
1: right, so let's explain what's going on. Sue, you've been a volunteer since you were initially a guest over two years ago. I said hey how about doing some special shows how about hosting once a month maybe twice a month how about every monday you finally said to me
2: yeah and i'd love to put my arms around it and make it my own it's important to be able to lift voices and i'm very thankful for the opportunity it's it's been an amazing run and it's been a wonderful experience And it's been great to be part of the KRCL family.
1: Well, you never really lose that. (laughs) So you'll be back as a guest, as a guest host from time to time. And we expect you to uh, be on the air with that direct advocacy as well. We're always kind of a hybrid show where folks who volunteer on Radioactive are very passionate about different things in our community. And one of the things that we've worked on over the last two years is shining that light on everyday people Uh, specifically by about for the LGBTQ plus community, but also your very presence, Sue, being enough, that intersection and being visible in our community as a transgender woman and just uh, an amazing community member. I can't thank you enough for all you've done for KRCL and Radioactive the last two years.
2: I'm going to miss it. It's been a big part of me. So, it's going to be hard, but sometimes it's time and you got to be able to realize that.
1: <laughs> Lifting voices is a recurring theme, and we are doing that this hour for sure, especially with what I like to call the next generation, specifically of storytellers with our um, partnership. We're ongoing friendship, shall we say, with Salt Lake Community College and Marcy Young Cancio. She'll be joining us in a bit. But uh, why don't you do the rundown? Who do we have coming yes. up on the show?
2: So tonight on another Everyday People edition of Radioactive, for my last show behind the mic, I want to continue to pass the mic and lift up voices one more time tonight. So stay with us to meet the next generation of grassroots activists and community builders, including talking with student journalists at Salt Lake Community College, which has a new partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune to elevate not only stories about our marginalized communities, but the storytellers as well. And it's time for me to pass the mic as a community co-host and give someone else the opportunity to volunteer here at Radioactive. We always move that mic around. So I'll probably close with some parting thoughts on what it means to accept everyday people just like you and me. First, let's go back to Laura and let's do rallies and resources as we're going to have some of that next generation here and... It's always in our rallies and resources. It's in our guest, and I just
1: love it. And before we get to the rallies and resources, though, Sue, I did want to take a minute and say thank you to everyone who just one week ago when you and Troy were here with me and Billy doing Radiothon, we had such great support and donations during the first uh, uh, Radiothon show for Radioactive. So thank you so much, uh, Becky Pickle, Troy Williams, Gregory Kelm, Sue Gerber, Noel Adams, uh, Ma Black, Kevin Morgan, Megan McKenna, Rob Mulman, Gary Pritchard, uh, Tawny Bugden, uh, a couple of anonymous folks. And just know how much we are grateful for your support. Really means a lot that you donated during the hour and that you're helping us get down the road another six months.
2: And uh, my thanks, because for all of you donating on Monday night said that you support everyday people and KRCL Radioactive, and you tell me that it was a great voice for you to hear, great guests that we had, great stories, and that means a lot to me. You're giving to the station so that this can continue, because it's not about me. It's a, the next person's going to come in, and it's not about them. It's about the voices we raise and the voices we amplify. So thank you very much for your donations and your support of listeners, Community Radio of Utah.
1: Well, if you go to carecl.org, click on Community Affairs, you'll find rallies and resources, a list of upcoming rallies and grassroots resources curated by the radioactive team. And of course, we have all sorts of events. There's uh, information on 211 and Utah Rent Relief. And also events such as this, Earth Fest. Earth Day is coming up on the 22nd and starting today through the end of the month at the County Library. They are celebrating our awesome planet with fun, take and make craft, citizen science, nature, exploration, and recycling activities that raise awareness and support our environment and community. Craft kits don't cost you anything while supplies last. Activities may vary by branch. So we've got a link where you can search their calendar for Earth Fest or you can contact your local branch for more information. Another thing that is happening, uh, wrapping up as we speak, is modeling healthy behaviors, keeping kids safe while spending more time online. You can check rallies and Resources for a link. Those tend to be archived online. On Tuesday, it's a match, relationships in the digital age and pandemic, 4.30 p.m. online. It's open to ages 14 plus in collaboration with the University of Utah's Center for Student Wellness. They're thrilled to host a workshop on navigating relationships. From casual hookups to blossoming friendships, a spicy pleasure affair, a committed partnership. They will identify what makes a relationship healthy. And this includes what you want out of your relationships and the critical role of self-care, pleasure, communication, and consent plays. That's a conversation we've had on Everyday People before, especially as it relates to safety and consent in the LGBTQ community, Sue.
2: It's a, it's a topic that has a lot of angles that we've covered, and there's always more to cover because it's a very important uh, thing to consider in all aspects of our lives and all aspects of our intersectionality.
1: Coming up Thursday, it is Earth Day. The first Earth Day on April twenty second, 1970 activated 20 million Americans from all walks of life and is widely credited with launching the modern environmental movement. We're talking uh, things like the the landmark Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Endangered Species Act, and other groundbreaking environmental laws soon followed. And we've seen what's been happening to them over the decades since. So Earth Day, another uh, a moment in our calendar every year to stop for a second and consider, you know. Yeah, we liked that. So why are we trying to maybe undo that in some instances or how can we enhance those protections? Artivism for Earth is happening all day through the University of Utah and it's one you for you project bringing together prominent activists, educators, and scientists from the U's campus and across the nation to create artwork informed by the science on climate change effects in Utah and globally. In our rallies and resources list, Go to Thursday, April 22nd. You'll find the listing for Artivism for Earth and a link to all the day's activities. Over at the Natural History Museum of Utah, Dr. Mae Jemison, exploring the frontiers of science and human potential, will happen at 630 on Earth Day. She will discuss the 100-Year Starship Initiative she leads, which seeks to ensure the capabilities for human interstellar travel beyond our solar system to another star, and that within the next 100 years its It doesn't cost you anything, but they do want you to register for their 2021 lecture series, which the theme throughout the year is Trailblazing Women in Science. Again, another item that you can find on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. And lastly here, Delbert Anderson Trio. We had them on the show a week and a half ago on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. They're doing some workshops at Orem Junior High during the day on Earth Day, and then at 7 p.m., At the Orem Public Library, Ashton Auditorium, they have a gig sponsored in part by grants from Onstage Utah, Western Arts Alliance Advancing Indigenous Performance Touring Fund, the Andrew Mellon Foundation, Westaf, and the Utah Arts and Museums. Uh, Tickets are required, but they don't cost you anything. It's the COVID thing still. So, folks, if you want to see some live jazz in Utah, Delbert Anderson Trio, 7 p.m., Orem Public Library on Earth Day. And then I I lied, one more Earth Day event, Saturday, April 24th. It's an Earth Day placemaking event, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Poplar Grove Park and Ninth South River Park. They're looking for volunteers to help plant trees, paint sidewalks, and clean litter. More details can be found on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. It's under the Community Affairs tab. Now, before we go to your theme song, Sue, because we've got to get it in one last time while you're still our community co-host, we wanted to bring on Assistant Professor of Journalism at Salt Lake Community College, Marcy Young Cancio. She's also Executive Director and Founder of Amplify Utah. A bunch of her students are going to be on for a panel discussion, the uh, the back half of the show, and then we're going to hear about their stories. We're going to hear about the stories they want to cover, and I really kind of want to know how they feel about going into journalism, given what we're seeing at some of the protests, especially In Minnesota, where journalists have been roughed up, have been arrested, as um, the tension over uh, the Chauvin trial comes to a head, the Dante Wright shooting, et cetera. So I'm curious if they're ready for the role of journalist and what it means to them. Marcy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Laura. Always love being part of this. I appreciate you uh, joining us and also connecting us with your students. Students. And I know one of them is going to be covering the Amplify Utah project, but can you just give us the big picture, especially as it relates to work with the Salt Lake Tribune and the Google Foundation money?
3: Sure. So uh, I launched Amplify Utah over the summer of 2020. I'm a former journalist who had worked in newsrooms from East Coast, West Coast, and the South, really all over the country. And as I was seeing journalism change so much, I took a buyout from the Charlotte Observer at the tender age of 28. Um, and just really started to see these shifts, and recognizing that we need to find different and better ways to be doing journalism if we're going to survive um, survive this. And one of the things that I have been noodling around in a while is creating a nonprofit that will help increase media literacy through better, more representative storytelling of, by, and for the communities we live in, and um, represent. And so Amplify Utah was started over the summer, you know, in a in a COVID <laughs> world uh, with the idea of bringing together Salt Lake Community College as the most diverse institute of higher education in the state with uh, the Salt Lake Tribune as a place to help amplify stories from within our community. So tapping into the college and um, helping amplify stories from our students, our faculty, and our community here and bringing those into the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune to offer more stories of representation of diversity, inclusion, and equity within our local media. So we launched the nonprofit with Salt Lake Tribune and Amplify Utah, got together and wrote a grant proposal, which received some funding from the Google News Initiative, which is funding this project for its first year. And so our students in the journalism class at Salt Lake Community College are the first students who are working on these stories uh, and finding a place
1: for them within the pages and online at the trip. And we will keep an eye on those stories as they publish and and, uh, uh, add to that partnership, Sue, by bringing students in to report out when their reports hit, either online or in the pages of the Community College's Globe newspaper. But uh, I just wanted to go back to what you said about it being the most diverse student body. We're talking more than sixty thousand students in ten campuses, plus online classes. And COVID, I think, is really changing uh, higher education. Period. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of curious. What are your hopes or fears for this project moving forward? Well, I mean, launching a
3: project like this during a global pandemic when everything is <laughs> kind of squishy and um, uncertain is is um, You know, a a concern, of course, but you know, I think that this is all about adaptability. I think for a a long time, legacy journalism in particular has not been able to adapt as quickly as we needed to. And so I think that coming into this project um, during a pandemic is helpful to us because adaptability is going to be part of it from the get go. Um, Solid Community College, you know, as as you just mentioned as well. is a very diverse institution, but we're not just talking along racial lines, but along um, age of our students, among non-traditional students that come to our campus, among the number of online learners we have versus on-campus learners. Uh, We really are a very, very diverse school in who we cater to, who we serve, um, our community classes that we have. So there's really a lot to work with. And there's so many amazing stories that we can help amplify, that we can help share, um, you know, offering a platform for people to amplify their own stories and their voices, rather than this idea of bringing a voice. Everybody has a voice. So let's help amplify
1: that. Well, and Sue, that's been your mission as the community co-host on Monday nights and calling it the Everyday People edition of Radioactive. How important has that been over the last two years, And do you see a connection to what uh, Amplify and the Community College and the Tribune are trying to do by putting those, amplifying those voices, bringing in those storytellers to tell their own stories?
2: I think it's a parallel. We're just really talking about the medium that it goes across. We're here going over the airwaves, trying to lift voices that haven't otherwise been heard. And we're hearing the same through Marcy's effort, doing it through print, digital or otherwise. Uh, so, I think it's amazing. I love hearing this. And I'm kind of curious too, Marcy, is it we have the Salt Lake Tribune that is in a unique position of being one of the early uh, adopters of being a nonprofit as a newspaper? Did that help make this move along easier because of the way you have to do grants to get going?
3: I mean, probably, certainly. I mean, the Tribune is the first legacy newspaper in the country to uh, become a nonprofit. So, they are really putting a lot of efforts into their outreach into what it means to be a nonprofit organization. I don't work for the Tribune, so I can't speak to that. But I do know, as being a partner who's working with them on this project, that they are very committed to um, expanding the stories that they're telling. And I think that the fact that we're a nonprofit, Amplify Utah is a nonprofit, and the Tribune's a nonprofit, it does kind of the The pieces are there that helps it maybe play a little bit better. Makes for a nice partnership. Yeah, absolutely. And so the Amplify Utah as a nonprofit is a larger piece. This project with the Tribune is kind of our cornerstone flagship project, if you will, that we're launching with. But we have big plans that hopefully Laura will invite me back (laughs) at some point to talk about. We don't have to get into the the weeds now.
1: Well, you recently had um, actually, I think one of our panelists wrote a story. We'll ask him about it when he comes on. Um, about Billy Palmer, associate producer and host on Wednesdays and Thursdays of radioactive you had him come in and talk to the class. Why was that important to have Billy come in and what does that do for students to have a, a diverse um, number of reporters or journalists come in and talk to the students? So we kicked off Billy we kicked off the semester
3: with Billy He was I think on day three or four he was our first guest speaker and the idea was to bring in somebody who has been, Talking to people who has been hearing and helping turn that microphone around to help amplify the voices from members of the community, and get students to start start thinking about the many ways that journalism can be done beyond maybe the uh, the standard of what we think of when we think of television news or you know legacy print and newspapers, uh, and bringing Billy in to help them think about different ways that we can approach storytelling, um, bringing his story in as one perspective uh, that we can think about. And really, I mean, Billy, and just what y'all do here, you all do at Radioactive is just one really good entry point into thinking about the type of storytelling um, that is representative, that is inclusive, that taps into a lot of these goals that we have for Amplify Utah.
1: You know, in in looking at the past four or five years and this conversation about fake news, it's really about who gets to tell the story, who gets to say what's what. And with what we saw over the last week or so in Minnesota and the stories about journalists getting roughed up, how do you talk to the next generation of students about how to conduct themselves when uh, so much of what's happening digitally is very much a point of view? You know, that that, that line between opinion and reportage... How are you talking to them about it as you move forward with this project?
3: Well, I mean, part of part of this is media literacy. I mean, I think that telling healthy, thoughtful, accurate, important stories can only happen if you have some level of media literacy and you're, you're media literate. So telling these stories, I hope, will help or being part of telling these stories we're not telling stories people are telling their stories and we are hoping to offer a platform to help amplify that that in bringing these stories bringing more of these stories to the public i hope kind of reshapes the conversations we have around being media literate that we don't just have a singular perspective that these stories are being offered from Um, and we don't have it sorted out right we have journalistically in our journalistic institutions have really done a lot of harm to over the generations and decades. We have done a lot of really great work, a lot of really important work, but there's a reckoning that needs to be made as we're all looking at our institutions and the way that we approach our storytelling and really looking at have we done this in the best possible way. So I think the biggest piece is, is listening. Coming in and just, I mean, that's always going to be a good tenant of journalism, right? Listen to who you're talking to. But I think this goes beyond just listening to what their story is on an XYZ story that you're covering, but truly listening to where they're coming from within a broader perspective of who they are, of their communities, of the things that matter to them. And then maybe you go a little more granular into the story that you're working on. But you can't really tell those stories, those more granular individual stories, without really listening to what the broader picture is. And I think that's that's part of the work that we need to do. And so we've brought, we had a roundtable of students from Salt Lake Community College that came in and shared their perspective of journalism and how the media gets things right about their communities or gets things wrong, their sense of trust or distrust, what they feel like they need to see. Um, We've brought in reporters from the Tribune. Taylor Stevens came in to talk about her coverage of um, homelessness in the Salt Lake Valley uh, and shared what she has learned in her reporting. So really just trying to bring in as many voices as we can to help all of all of these student journalists and all of us think about how we can better approach these stories and approach our communities to tell the healthiest, most reflective, better stories.
1: Well, and, you know, Sue, I'm, I've just been thinking as you prepare to move off mic and um, back into direct advocacy, That not that you ever left that, but um, there's an old maxim in journalism, don't become the story. But in our current era, sharing part of your story, especially in your role here, which is different from a straight-up breaking news reporter, um, is, an, is crucial to connecting to also when it comes to then taking people's stories and sharing them up at the legislature when it comes to bills that you're trying to beat back. Those stories become crucial to, as you always say, educating folks um, and lifting people up.
2: Yeah, I think that probably actually is an, an interesting classroom topic. You know, when do you be a part of the story and when do you not be a part of the story? Because – in advocacy, your personal stories mean a lot when you're trying to educate people so they understand your issues. But once you're not advocating for your community, then you shouldn't be a part of the story maybe. And mm. we see that a lot with guests that we have on here. It's a total pass the mic where if we have guests on here are transgender, there may be more of a discussion that I become a part of. So it's I, I assume... That would be an interesting classroom discussion, and Marcy could speak to that. But to me, it's an interesting topic because you yeah. you need to have clear lines to give other people their platforms instead of trying to take it from them by personalizing it.
1: Yeah. Marcy, that that's going to be interesting as you move forward with your students, not only their life experiences as storytellers, which are, are valid and inform the reporting, but then where is that line in maintaining it as a reporter versus a pundit, which is an age old conflict.
3: Right. And that's something that we're, that I'm thinking about and that we're talking about is how can uh, our student voices from their particular perspectives, how do those perspectives need to be woven into a story? And it's always going to be on a story by story basis, right? It's going to be, are you part of, why are you wanting to be part of this story? Yeah. Is it because you're connected to it in a way that, your experience can elevate the story and help bring this story in a more compelling way? Or are you there to help, um, the person that you're talking to tell their story and amplify that story with them? And so it's just going to depend on the story. Mm-hmm. But part of that is, yeah, how do we take the traditional models of journalism and incorporate the reporter into the story yeah. when so often it's, you are meant to be, uh, you know, I want to use the word unbiased, but you're meant to be an observer and the sharer of the information and pass it. You're not an active participant. You're a passive conveyor of information to when a story can actually become stronger and better because of the perspective that the writer brings to it. And I don't have an answer to it, but we are sorting it out. I mean, you have to try it and do things. And if it works, let's do more of it. And if it doesn't, Learn what doesn't, mm. you know, reconfigure it and come at it from a different approach. Well, I can. But we're doing something different
1: here, and it's kind of a testing ground. Yeah. So I could keep geeking out here because there's that whole conversation about who gets to say who's a journalist these days. We've seen over the last five, six years, as social media provides everyone with a platform. Just because you have a platform, are you a reporter? Reporter? We've seen it in. The investigations following the insurrection in the Capitol on January 6th were folks that I was just there to document. But then you look at some actions and go, well, were you just documenting or did you end up getting, uh, participating? So it's an interesting, ongoing, evolving subject. And I'm excited to hear from your students coming up. Marcy, where can people find out more about Amplify Utah and eventually see these stories that your uh, journalists are working on? Sure.
3: So we just launched the AmplifyUtah.org website last week on Friday, so you can find that at AmplifyUtah, all one word, .org. Uh, The site just launched. We have some stories on there, not from this class or this project, but the types of stories that students at the Globe have done that you might see as part of this project. Students from the GLOBE are also, which is the student media organization at like are also contributing to this project in addition to students from my class. Uh, so you, you can go and check it out. There's a lot of information in there that will walk you through how it all works. But the idea is that students will be working on their stories. They upload it to the Amplify Utah website and from there, our media partner at the Tribune, which is the the media partner for now, but we are hoping on expanding this out to local media across the state. So any media partner will then be able to download that content and um, share it on their sites. Count us in. Oh, yes,
1: please. I I already have, honestly. (laughs) Marcia and Cancio, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And that is Rallies and Resources. Stick around. The Everyday People panel discussion is coming up next, Sue
2: so one more time here we go we're gonna play everyday people right here on an everyday people edition of krcl radioactive
1: so you and i are dancing and crying at the same time now right something like that
2: (laughs) i'm trying to hold it late
0: (laughs) The Safe Utah Crisis chat and tip line provides real-time crisis intervention for kids and teens through live chat and a confidential tip program. Licensed clinicians respond to calls and chats with crisis counseling, referral services, and mental health resources. Search for Safe Utah in the App Store for download.
4: Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru helping drivers explore the world safely as it reopens in an all-new Subaru. The full lineup of 2021 Subaru models now available at Midtown and Southtown locations. More information at markmillersubaru.com.
2: Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Sue Robbins. Coming up after our show, it's Democracy Now at 7, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8, and Michelle's Night Train at 10.30 and you can start a brand new day weekdays with John Florence at 6 a.m. So now let's go to our panel discussion. Salt Lake City Community College meets the storytellers, the collaboration with the Tribune. So for my guest, I would love to have you introduce yourself. Let's hear what who you are and what brought you to Salt Lake Community College. So Christian, if you could go
5: first. um yeah so i'm christian martinez um a little bit about me um, i was born and raised here in utah i'm the son of uh, two hispanic parents from mexico um so i've lived here my whole life i've grown up in two different cultures so i know that's a little bit about me there um on the topic of slick i uh i joined because I wanted to pursue digital media. It was something that my mom, uh, she did back in, she did, she did, uh, she pursued that at Slick back when she was in school, I think it was the late 90s. So she talked to me about that. Um, so that's what I went for. But I saw that at SLCC, uh, Slick, uh, sorry, um, digital media and journalism are coupled together. Um, so I, I had no intention initially of doing journalism, but I took the class and I really ended up loving it. Uh, <laughs> it's something I hope to continue to pursue. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah,
2: it's always great when you get to college and it starts to come together that what you're trying really is something that you have your heart in. So I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Dana Lee, if you could introduce yourself, please, Dana Lee.
4: Hi, my name is Dina Lee Camacho, I'm 35 years old. And um, I just was uh, recently moved here a year and a half ago. My husband is in the military and so we're stationed here right now. And this is my uh, second year at Slick, and I'm a Communication Studies major. And this world is definitely different. I definitely have a culture shock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, thanks the military members like we should but I want to thank you being family of a military member isn't easy I was my father was navy and I was in the military too so I get how it could be difficult especially when you're trying to get a college degree behind you so thank you thank you Andrew if you could tell us a little bit about yourself
6: Yeah, my name is Andrew Christiansen. Um, I'm a journalism major at Salt Lake Community College. Um, It's my second year going to Salt Lake Community College. Just a little bit about me Um, I'm interested in the arts and and love going to concerts and movies. I've written a few stories about how um, the entertainment industry in general has been impacted and and negatively affected by the pandemic. Um, And yeah, I plan to transfer to the University of Utah next spring. So that's exciting.
2: Oh great! Congratulations. So, Christian, if we could start with you, if you could tell us about your project, uh, how you decided what it would be, and what it's all about, and how how far along are you? How's it going so far?
5: Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, some background on the, the story. I was um, I was browsing the uh, SLCC calendar when uh, looking for a pitch to, and I came across this. Uh, and veiling for a Latinx mural at the at the college. Um, So that immediately caught my eye. Um, Upon seeing it, I wasn't really sure what kind of story I would find. I just knew that I wanted to dig a little deeper into that. Um, So right now, let's see. The first draft is completed, right, Um, in class we're working up towards the final draft. I have interviewed the artist, a couple of um, staff members at the school about the, the mural. Uh, it's, it's been an interesting experience to see uh, why they've pushed for this mural as it relates not only for a reflection of their community, but also uh, as a as one of many steps to help Latinx students at the college, uh, so yeah, that's been that's been very exciting.
2: So part of your angle is how it will encourage graduation rates. How are you seeing that in your story?
5: Yeah. So um, so the artist himself, uh, his name is uh, Agustin Batista Silva. He's uh, he did robotics at his time as an LCCC. Uh, he's currently about to graduate. From Weber State University with a bachelor's degree, um, he mentioned that the idea of seeing yourself at the college, both in the student body but also in the spaces, um, helped him to continue pursuing his degree, and that that was his uh, his reasoning for um, uh, submitting a mural uh, proposition, which the Latinx Heritage Committee like. They proposed a mural, he made a submission, and that was his reasoning behind it. Um, Speaking to a lot of the staff members there, they've expressed similar sentiments about how they want to create a a feeling of belonging for its Latinx uh, student body. So they continue to see themselves and don't feel discouraged and continue going. And the ultimate goal being, as you said, a higher rates of student graduation.
2: But, and I'm probably going to ask everybody this, but since we talked about it earlier, when you go to look for a story and you get to pick your own story, sometimes there can be a personal reason you get drawn into it. So how are you feeling? Is there any uh, personalization of how you're driven to look at the story and maybe how you're presenting it? Or are you taking the totally passive
5: look at it? Um, so so for me... Um... Uh, so I, I was born here in Utah, and Agustin, the artist, was born in Mexico. Um, so in in many ways, our experiences are somewhat similar, but they're also vastly different. And in that way, I I kind of approached the topic kind of passively. I was really interested in hearing what he had to say about his experience as well, of, as well as some of the staff members and other students of the college who um a lot of them were born outside of the country in places such as peru um uh, peru colombia mexico um, other countries so i i approached the story passively and i was just interested in seeing their perspective of the mural but also some of the initiatives that are being taken at the college um there's the uh, the dream center um There's a program called Bruin Scholars that helps uh, first-generation undocumented students at the college. So speaking to all these individuals, um, I took a passive um, approach and I I was really just interested in seeing what their take was on the mural, but also the many initiatives being taken at the college.
2: Great, well, thank you. So Dana Lee, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your project.
4: Hi, my name is Dana Lee, and I am 35, and a military wife here at Salt Lake or in Salt Lake City. Um, I am basically my project is based off Amplify Utah project at Salt Lake City in this journalism class that we're all in, and it's very exciting to me that I'm getting to look at the perspectives of the other students in the class with me, of how this project is evolving and helping them in their journey of being becoming a journalist um, journalist or not. Um, it's just kind of like two different perspectives of students that are wanting to become journalists and not. But I felt really privileged to be in this class and to know what I know now learning, uh, especially with um, just knowing there's so much stories here. There's so many stories here that need to be amplified. Um, I grew up in a lot of different places. I grew up as a military child. so not just settling in one place. I wasn't very close-minded coming here and I was very open-minded, experienced a lot. I grew up in Washington state. So (laughs) I think that kind of says a lot about uh, my upbringing. Uh, And I'm a first-generation American as well as college student. My parents are from Guam. And so I feel really privileged to try to amplify voices within the journalism class. So this is exciting for me to, learn about the students and what they're learning and then be putting it into my article. It's really fun. Well
2: I'm gonna have to try this. It's been fifty years. Half a day?
4: Yes. Half a day.
2: <laughs> I lived in awesome. Ditado for two years when I was young.
4: Oh that is awesome. Oh that was that was amazing. Good job on the pronunciation. Yes. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so on your on your project, so what drove you to what you're doing?
4: Um, so, as everybody kind of is experienced right now, um, I experienced some burnout and it took me a uh, good while to narrow down exactly what I wanted to talk about. And I came to the conclusion that I just wanted to talk about everything because of my experience moving around so much and growing up in a military family. I just felt so passionate about there is so many things here in Utah where I'm living that is missing from the conversation. It, it just, I can see it very, very well. And so, I was really inspired to learn about Marcy's project of Amplify Utah, nonprofit and the project at Flick. So I think it drew inspiration from at least telling about the students, how diverse the students are in their projects and like amplifying their stories. So that was a main kicker for me.
2: Oh, well, great. Well, thank you. Andrew, if you could tell us about your project, what drove you to it?
6: Yeah, my story focuses um, on the prison education program through Salt Lake Community College. Um, So this past March, they actually got funded by an anonymous donor to implement hundred laptops for the incarcerated students um, this summer. Um, And they'll be able to use them in their cells um, to type papers, access educational resources, contact their professors. Um, But yeah, what drew me to the story? I actually had the director of prison education, David Bakvoy, as a teacher last spring. He taught a history class that I was in. That's when I first figured out about the prison education program, which was only founded in 2017, so pretty recently. But it's it's really impressive how much they've grown in that time to become one of the biggest in-person college um, prison education programs in the U.S. actually. A lot of Prison education programs are completely remote, online, serve lots of students, but are don't have that in-person aspect that uh, the prison education program at Salt Lake Community College does.
2: So what drew you to this project? How did it get your attention?
6: Um, I think just how big it's become in such a small amount of time and also just the overall importance of prison education. Um, there's actually... For this story, I've done a lot of research on, you know, the impact of prison education on recidivism rates and reducing those recidivism rates. Um, In Utah, the recidivism rates, which is the rate at which previously incarcerated people go back to prison is particularly high at 70%, which is 20% higher than the the national average. Um, And prison education is one of the biggest ways to combat that. in 2016, the RAND Corporation conducted a study that found that inmates who participate, like in any form of educational program in prison, have, are up to 43% less likely to reoffend and return to prison. So I think just kind of shining a light on how important prison education is in our society, and and particularly how well the 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 program through Salt Lake Community College um, has done.
2: So, looking at this, it's probably a very educational project to take on from gaining, I mean, the stats you're saying say a lot, right, by itself. So, has this been eye opening taken as a project for you?
6: Yes, for sure. Um, and I was actually able to receive some testimonials from the director of prison education, David Bakavoy. Of students who are currently incarcerated and um, taking part in the prison education program. So I think that was very telling and good to hear their perspective of how it's impacted their um, lives personally.
2: Okay, so a question I'd like to come to all of you on this, hear your thoughts on it is now that you've done this first one, and it sounds like you're all in the draft mode and you've all been engaged. Now that you've done that, are you consuming news in a different way? Are you looking at it differently? Are you processing it differently as you read it, Christian?
5: Well, one thing that I found is um, I've kind of um, switched what kind of news I read. Um, you know, uh, there's like, I guess, a specific kind of story that I look for now, which is kind of the stories that we've been doing in this class, which is kind of hearing smaller stories that reflect on a community, but can also touch on bigger issues at the same time. So that's that's been, I think the biggest thing for me um, was the switch from, um, how would you say, uh, news that just reports the happenings of the day towards news is that um, kind of, uh, looking at some of the smaller stories that exist in the community. So yeah, that's that's been the biggest thing for me, I would say.
2: That is interesting. Danalee, what are your thoughts?
4: Oh, yes, definitely. Um, just knowing the background of different outlets of news and their resources and who you can trust definitely changes your mindset. There's just so much out there to consume. So you have to be very careful. And so now when I'm looking through news media um, outlets, I look for the unrepresented stories. Are they being told right? Are they being told with transparency? So that's something that really stuck with me.
2: And maybe even how deep are they going? Are Are they getting a story out because they want to have a story on it? Or do they want to even go deeper so that they can start unveiling things, right?
4: Exactly.
2: You probably get that perspective by doing this. Andrew, what are your thoughts?
6: Uh, yeah, I agree a lot with what um, the other students were saying. Uh, we actually had a reporter from the Salt Lake Tribune um, talk to our class and I think it was, it was really cool. She reports a lot on homelessness issues in Salt Lake and she she talked about how you, more than anything, you have to listen and you have to you know, go in that community and talk to those people. And I think for me, that's the most important thing. And that's what produces the, the best kinds of stories with doing that in-depth research and talking to those people and getting their perspectives. You can, you can tell the story correctly and you can tell it accurately.
2: Oh, that's great. So you're going through college at a hard time because of the pandemic and the way things are shut down and the way we do remote. And now you having to do a story where you are having to reach out and do investigations and interviews and whatever other research you do to put your stories together and your projects. How hard has that been for you, Christian? What are the challenges maybe that you've faced that other people may
5: not think of? Uh, um. You know, I was I was gonna say that at least for this story, it hasn't been too much of a challenge. Um, uh, at least uh, when it comes to interviewing people, um, a lot of these, a lot of the people I interviewed for this story, for example, were, um, you know, we take you know precautions and we wear masks and such. But a lot of the interviews I was doing uh, as of recently were done in person. Uh, but I know for other stories. Um, Um, previous stories uh you know the you know the pandemic has you know with certain people they might be more comfortable doing the interviews uh through a web call and then there's also uh conflicting schedules that happen so all of this coupled together creates for some some challenges that i that i um that i've seen but i think at the same time um i don't know i think the webex or like, sorry, the web calls I should say, um, have provided for an interesting opportunity to somehow get like a very personalized interview. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's just me. Maybe some of the other students could speak on that. But it's been a challenge, but it's also been an interesting, an interesting change. I would say.
2: But and I would love to hear everyone else's opinions on it. Additionally, you know, when you think about news media, whether it's a news station or a newspaper. Often everything's done in a very timely basis. So, uh, some of these things that you've seen as challenges are things that you learned to overcome to be timely. So, Dana Lee, how was your experience?
4: So, um, taking this class, I didn't know how intense it was going to be as far as. Trying to go and find the people, like find the stories. So it was definitely a challenge, and um, I was fortunate enough that I do take one class on the taylorsville campus of Slick. So I pretty much use my resources there. <laughs> um, the students there have been really um, open and nice, and have let me interview them. So I'm pretty sure I went through the whole roster almost.
2: Great. And Andrew, you look like you're wired up to do online interviews really well. You've got some great equipment looking there. Mm-hmm. So how was your experience?
6: Uh, it's, been, it's been interesting because actually before this semester, I mean, I had never taken a journalism class or conducted interviews or anything like that. Um, so doing that over Zoom kind of just adds a whole other layer. Um, and I think it, it can be a struggle to You know, you're just doing a lot of emailing to, you know, like to the David Bakovoy, the director of prison education or just whatever source you need for the story. Um, But I think their willingness to talk about those stories kind of um, gets you past that first initial, you know, kind of hard. I've never seen this person in person or never seen um, this, this person um, not over a zoom call, but I think it's still been a good experience overall. So
2: And Marcy young Cancio, Assistant Professor of Journalism at SLIC and Executive Director of the Amplify Utah Project is still with us. Do you want to get in on this as we close?
3: Yeah, I mean, just to your point about overcoming challenges, I mean, if we are committed to help amplifying and sharing stories, the fact that there's a global pandemic not only doesn't stop those stories, but it also brings up a whole bunch of new stories. So yeah, like I feel for the students who are all students who are having to take online classes or via broadcast and especially for students in journalism classes where they have to go out and talk to people and interview people it's tough but what's the what's the alternative we're just not going to do this until the pandemic's over right so the students like these guys definitely are pulled the short stick right on like when they were in school and when they're taking these classes but I would argue they are building some skills that they would not have built maybe otherwise and they're still doing the work and they're doing it really well. So, you know, it sucks that I have to do it during this pandemic, but they have all sorted out how to do it. And I think that there's been um, kind of a lot of, of power in being able to adapt uh, and still be able to tell these stories or participate in these stories.
2: Right, And so, the one thing I think would be interesting is what is the number one thing that you're taking away from this that maybe you didn't expect to take away from this experience? Christian.
5: Um I don't know, my biggest takeaway was um I don't know. like for me I kind of really enjoyed reporting. Um I I you know, I was a really reserved person before this class. I kind of still am, I would say, but Uh, I I just really like hearing people's stories and um, it's that part of journalism that kind of makes me want to keep doing it. Um, uh, Just getting to know someone um, for that moment when you're talking to someone and you're just hearing a story it's such a pleasure to be able to just talk to them and hear something that I probably wouldn't have ever heard otherwise. Um, So. I don't know if that really answers your question, but it that's, does. It's yeah, everybody's
2: yes. experience is different and everybody's takeaway mm-hmm. are different. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear what your perspective is on the thing that impacted you the most. So mm-hmm. Dana Lee, what's yours?
4: So one thing um, that I found was that I think people want to talk. They, they really do want to talk. They want to want you to get to know them and their story. So the biggest takeaway for me was like, stories connect connect community, and you're going to learn more about your community through these stories if done right, and if you listen, then to not to, and you're just going to get your information elsewhere. So going directly to the source and stories connect communities. Great.
2: Thank you. And Andrew, your takeaway?
6: Going off of what um, the other students talked about, I think it's just been really really cool to hear all these different perspectives in the community. And one thing that surprised me is kind of what Dana was talking about a little bit, like the willingness of, of people, you know, the director of prison education or like owners of music venues to talk to me because they want their story to be heard. Um, and that feels good. And, and like Dana was saying, like, be, you know, being a part of that community and, uh, telling the stories that need to be told.
2: Great. So. Christian, Dana Lee, Andrew, you know, thank you for being on my final show. I really love that I was able to amplify your voices tonight. And I hope to hear you on Radioactive in the future, because I'll be listening. I may not be at the mic, but I'll be listening. Come share your finished stories and some of your other efforts, because I'm sure you're going to have more going on. Marcy, thank you for this program. It is, uh, sounds like a great one. It sounds fun and, and educational. So, Laura, here we are.
1: (laughs) Great (laughs) panel discussion to wrap up your last show as a community co-host. And so I know you've been uh, anticipating your final thoughts um, for everyday people. And I want folks to know out there, we're looking for the next community co-host to step up to the mic. And uh, maybe that will help you organize your thoughts, Sue, as you reflect on the last two years, but um, what you're doing next, too.
2: Yeah, and it's, yeah, the the last two years have been important because when you have the privilege to have space, being able to lift other voices is what we all should do. So if I'm going to pass on something to people out there who are trying to do things in the community is don't try and do a lot of things because you water yourself down. It can very much happen. Do what you want to do 100%. And if you start to get to the point where that's difficult, step back and like here, pass the mic, there's someone else that'll be an amazing person with you. I see some people want to say yes all the time and they get asked because they've done the work. So everybody asks them to do more, but we don't need more or we don't need the same doing more. We need more doing the same. So we need more people coming in and volunteering. So I invite everybody in. I want to see everybody be a part of everything we do in our community. And we can have you all here on Radioactive so you can talk about those things you're doing. Do it strong. Do it well.
1: Well, Sue, as we close another show, everybody wants to hear your classic close. You ready?
2: I think I am. (laughs) That brings us to the end of this week's Everyday People, and with that, an end to my two years of the privilege of being a community co-host. My heartfelt thanks to the staff at KRCL, the team, Tristan, the general manager, who runs this amazing place, especially Billy Palmer and Laura Jones, who have done so much for me and really welcome me in and given me this ability to lift voices. I am so grateful. As we at KRCL Radioactive bring you the diverse voices of Utah, remember that education brings knowledge, knowledge brings understanding, and greater understanding brings social change. Radioactive is a production of Listener's Community Radio of Utah. Executive producer is Laura Jones. Associate producer is Billy Palmer. I'm community co-host Sue Robbins, and as I always have and always will, I see you i hear you and i absolutely love everyday people just like you
0: sometimes i'm right others i'm wrong my own beliefs are in my song the butcher the baker the drummer and then makes no difference about the group i'm in but i the green one for living with the fat one trying to be a skinny one different strokes for different folks and so on and so on and scooby dooby dooby we got to
5: As a thank you to the KRCL community, KRCL's Music Meets Movies at Home will be screening the 2018 Sundance award-winning documentary about the Sri Lankan-born rapper-activist MIA. No ticket needed, but registration is required. Join KRCL from the comfort of your own home this Thursday at 7.30 p.m. for a screening of the documentary Matange Maya MIA. The documentary pulls from 22 years of footage covering MIA's youth, rise to fame, and controversies that followed.
0: Music was my medicine, it just blew up so quickly. I lived through a war, came as a refugee that is now a pop star, what are the goalposts?
5: That's Music Meets Movies Home Edition at your place this Thursday, April 22nd. Register now at krcl.org. Thank you all for keeping community radio alive and well in 2021.
0: Enjoy the film.